Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. Nick Bradley here, and welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. It is a Thursday, so that means it is time for another amazing interview. And today, I am delighted to have on Scale Up Your Business, Lauren Tickner. Now, Lauren is a Forbes Top 10 entrepreneur. She helps coaches, consultants, and course creators make a global impact by scaling online. Now, I met Lauren quite recently. In fact, I've known Lauren for a while. I've seen her out there around the sort of social media world. She's got quite a prolific following, I think over 100,000 followers on Instagram. But we connected properly uh, beginning of January on Clubhouse. And as I've said on previous episodes of, of Scale Up Your Business and in various social media posts recently, Clubhouse is not just about going there and getting information, people talking on stage. It's the networks and the connections that you find literally just by meeting people. So since then, Lauren and I have had multiple conversations on the phone, lots of WhatsApp messaging. Uh, she's been looking at some of the stuff I've been doing. I've been uh, working with her on some acquisitions and some more strategic stuff. And uh, we've developed a really good friendship over that time, which I'm delighted about. So today, what are we going to get into? Well, you know, everything has evolved massively in the last 12 months. And lots of people are thinking differently about their careers, their mission. And a lot of people are thinking, perhaps now is the time that I should be a consultant, an advisor, a mentor, a coach. Perhaps I should become more freelance. I should take my first steps into this world of entrepreneurship. Well, one of the things you're going to find is this. If you become, let's say, a consultant and it's about you and you have to leverage time for money, you end up becoming the bottleneck very quickly because the clients that you you do win want to work with you. It's hard to then sometimes scale that out. Lots of traditional consultancy businesses have struggled to scale that out because you've just got to go and find more people to deliver the services, associates and things like that. What Lauren talks about is how you can take that information, that uh, experience that you have and scale that online. Some of that's through courses, some of that's up through group programs, some of that's just about creating a bigger personal brand. So if that's you and you're thinking, you know what, this year, 2021, I'm I'm really committed to making a change, uh, I think you'll learn a lot from Lauren. And one last thing I'll say before we get into the interview is that Lauren has created an amazing business and a set of businesses and she's only in her early 20s. And God, that's something I wish I'd done. <laughs> but, but you know, massive respect to her and, uh, and what she's created at such an early part of her career. So there we have it. It's going to be a great, fun one today for you. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business, Lauren Technical. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business. It's another live show. We haven't done one of these for a little while, but I've got a very special guest with me today. So I thought that I'd have to make a, a very special um, change to the schedule and get her on quickly. And that is Lauren Tickner. Welcome, Lauren, to Scale Up Your Business. 
Yes, thanks for having me. Well, I guess the lives haven't been going on because everyone is uh, spending their whole time on Clubhouse. <laughs> they are. Okay, so um, for everyone who is going to be watching this live across the various social channels, there's a big social channel that has just been monopolizing people's time for the last few weeks. I've only been on there for 72 hours. You've been there a little bit longer, Lauren, haven't you? It's been about 10 days for me, but I'm pretty sure my entire team doesn't know who I am anymore just because, uh, yeah, I'm kind of unreachable these days. <laughs> so what we're talking about, you know, to do the big reveal is we're talking about um, Clubhouse. Now, Clubhouse is, I'm going to say it's a social media app, uh, so it doesn't have um, any other platform other than an app. Um, I think it's only running on um, uh, Apple at the moment too, Lauren, is that right? Yeah, iPhone only. iPhone only. Um, so it's kind of beta but it's not beta because, you know, everyone who's kind of got some sort of profile audience uh, influencing in various ways is on there. And the way it works for those who haven't heard of it is you have to invite people and you get a limited number of invites. And, and it's kind of like this kind of club. It feels like a little bit like a cool club or not. <laughs> but it's bizarre. But um, listen, anyone who hasn't heard of it, you'll be hearing about it a lot because it's starting to catch fire. And we literally met properly met yesterday it's crazy isn't it this app is bringing people together faster than ever but you know what i think that having been through everything in the year 2020 with covid and such everyone is feeling the need for that human to human interaction and connection again and so it's so refreshing to be able to have these conversations that feel so personal despite the fact that you can be in one of these clubhouse rooms with thousands of other people and so it's nice but at the same time it's making me realize wow what am I going to do with all of this information that I'm learning if I'm so addicted to this app I need to go ahead and implement <laughs> so it's a bit of a and it is quite crazy and for people who are listening to this again they're probably saying what the hell what the hell is going on because um, it is a little bit weird it feels like you kind of go into this kind of black hole vortex for a while and it's so addictive in terms of uh what's going on that it's hard to kind of step out of it so you know we were just saying we often have our phones running in the sidelines while we're sitting on what what is called virtual stages as as speakers or moderators and in some cases there are hundreds of people in the room again virtually with you asking questions about our various areas of expertise and of course, you've got a life around that. So I've got kids I've got to put to sleep and I've got businesses to run. But you're often being called back to speak on stage to answer various problems and help people. And it's just, it's crazy. 2021, here we are. <laughs> so anyway, that's it. So that's how we, so we met. It feels like I've known you a lot longer. And I think we have kind of um, connected a little bit on social media previous to this. But uh, yeah, we met yesterday morning. It feels like it was weeks ago already. Um, just started kind of collaborating on a couple of different things. And I wanted to bring Lauren on onto the show today because a lot of the stuff that she's doing, I think, is quite relevant for um, the opportunities that are presenting themselves. And I think some of these opportunities have been around for a while, but they've accelerated through COVID and, and what we're going to now in 2021. So, Lauren, do you want to introduce yourself properly to the Scale Up Your Business listeners? Yeah. So, hi, everyone. My name is Lauren Tickner. And... I really got started out in the fitness industry at the age of 16. So I have been in this online world now for quite some time and more or less my whole career, other than a short stint in the corporate world, whereby I was working in asset management. Um, But 
yeah, it just it wasn't really for me. Let's just put it that way. Um, so <laughs> having uh, having done all of that in the fitness space, I, I built a following in the fitness industry. And I started working with companies like Gymshark, which is an extremely impressive e-commerce business. And at the time, I didn't necessarily see it for that. I saw it as this really cool company to be sponsored by a Gymshark athlete. And they they decided they wanted to pivot their brand strategy to go more mainstream because they were just growing so rapidly. Right. And this was a really pivotal time for me because they decided Lauren, we don't want to work with you anymore. And they said the same thing to loads of my friends, some of whom had millions and millions of followers. And at the time I had my online coaching going and it was going really nicely running kind of on autopilot because I had the system set up. And so I was still able to travel and I was I was living, you know, a, a really good life, to be honest. And my friends came to me and they were like, Lauren, how are you still traveling when this company isn't paying for it anymore? And so I kind of told them, you know, I'm doing this and this with online coaching, some online courses. And they then immediately went from making a few grand a month to having a multiple six figure income because they had the audience there right then that was very easy to sell to. And so they posted on their Snapchat, okay, all the way back then saying thank you like essentially Lauren thank you for helping me with this and then all of their followers who are personal trainers and such started coming to me so that's how this whole world was born of what I do now at my company impact school is we help people launch and scale online coaching and online course businesses so that's really what I'm focused on and uh in the midst of all of that a couple things that I absolutely love is exercising I absolutely love going for walks so that's a little bit about me in a nutshell, not to mention the elephant in the room. I'm 23. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to talk a little bit, not about your age per se, but um, the uh, the section of scale up your business, which this comes under is what we call entrepreneur in focus. And and we get a little bit deeper into the mindset, the skill set, the the things that have kind of created success around entrepreneurship. So that's, that's, that's what this is going to be featured at. <laughs> and just as we're talking now, Instagram's going crazy, by the way, which is interesting. So all the people that we were on the stage with yesterday are noticing that we're now talking. Which means, <laughs> they're like, wait, wait, they're in the clubhouse room and they're talking at the same time? How is well, they're going? They're going onto Instagram and things are popping up. It's just hilarious. I'm seeing it. Eve's probably doing um, some stuff in the background um, facilitating that for us. So let's let's talk about that. So, you know, you're 23 now. You know, you're well on your way to creating a business empire, you know, and you've got, you know, God, I'm 47. <laughs> I wish I was doing that at your age. I started my first business, which was a fitness business at 19 and sold it, but didn't probably take it to the next stage. So just let's just go back a step. When did you first start your business? How old were you when you first got into kind of business ownership? Well, I did not see it as a business when I first started. Let's just put it that way. It was really a strange thing for me because I never saw myself as an entrepreneur or a business owner. I had absolutely no desire for that whatsoever because I thought that to be an entrepreneur, you had to be an inventor. And I think this is quite a common perception from a lot of people, you know, because you see people who have service-based businesses, at least kind of a few years ago, you would see the traditional services And it just seems a bit boring, but then to be an entrepreneur and to create a company like Tesla, it feels like you have to be an inventor. And so I was never seeing myself as an inventor or anything like that. I always wanted to be the CEO of a FTSE 100 company, right? I I really like this vision of just absolutely dominating it in the world of finance. Um, So when I started out doing fitness coaching, I kind of just saw it as a bit of extra cash, to be honest. Um, I liked 
I like the money, but I just loved what I was doing. And so this is something that I see quite commonly in the coaching and training type of industry, because you're so passionate about what you do. Oftentimes you'll do it for free. But then what you forget is that when people don't pay or when they don't pay much, they don't pay much attention. And so the clients don't necessarily get the level of service and help that they need. So I say I properly started when I was 17, but really taking it seriously and actually treating everything that I did like a business, I was 21, I would say. And uh, that was through some bad experiences whereby I didn't have legal protection and contracts. And that was just me being naive. Okay. No, well, that happens. <clears throat> it doesn't really matter too much about the age. That happens all through when people are trying new stuff. But did you have much help at that point? Did you have mentors around you or family who had been entrepreneurial that could at least guide you through this? You know, that's a great question. And so I had my dad who was in, a, he was an estate agent, right? And so he hasn't had massive, massive business success per se. But I always liked the fact that he was able to come and pick me up from school, you know, when a lot of my friends had to get picked up by like nannies or go to after school care and things like that. And so my brother's disabled. He has epilepsy, autism, various different other learning disabilities. And so at a young age, I was forced to be very independent because despite the fact that he's two years younger than me, his mental age is around two years old. Um, So he at least needs one-on-one care at every single at every single hour of the day, whether he's awake or asleep. In case he has a seizure, you would have to change the position he's in to make sure that he can breathe. And so mentors for me was something that I have always seen as so important, whether it's an in-person coach or an online coach that I'm actually paying or someone who I'm listening to their podcast. At the age of about 17 or 18, I really started binge listening to podcasts. And uh, I saw that you had Johnny Dumas on your show. I started I listening to his show ages ago, Pat Flynn. And I got into this whole digital marketing world. And that was how I was able to grow my business to multiple six figures before I was 21. And then from there, what I realized was that one of my biggest downfalls was my desire to continue continually learn because I was learning so much about so many different things. I confused myself, right? And I had this absolute paralysis with information overload. And that's one of the things that I do fear about social media today is that business owners, you can get anything at the click of a button. And so if you're not careful, then you're going to have too much information in your head. So a couple of years ago, I started implementing just-in-time learning, whereby I will only allow myself to learn something if I need it then and there, and I will go ahead and either execute it myself or share it with my team so they can execute on it. Um, so that was one of the most powerful things. Did you actually did you actually learn that as a process? I haven't heard of the terminology before, is, or is that what you call it, just-in-time? It's what I call it, yeah. It's my, it's okay, my process. No, I, okay. Yeah. But, but I, you know, I, there's a couple of things I want to draw on before we move forward. So... Uh, first one really is the overwhelm that can come from, you know, taking in too much. You know, I often say focus is a superpower. If you try and do too many things at once, you're never going to get through it. The brain is not made that way. So that's that in its own right is just worth mentioning. The second thing that you mentioned, which is kind of cool, is the amount of value you got free, you know, which again, I don't think a lot of people these days realize the value of stuff that's just out there. Um, you know, I, I often say on, on this podcast that, you know, someone could listen to all the episodes and they don't really need anything else, you know, in terms of information, 
of course, accountability, you know, a little bit more in terms of precision around what they're doing is not there. But it's amazing that you've listened to these things and taken action. Um, so the next question I've got for you really is, is kind of what is it about you that that's, um, I suppose, been relatively focused and relentless to be successful? Do you understand that in yourself or is it just something it doesn't sound like it's something that's random? It's great, great point. And I don't think that anyone who's successful got there by accident, right? And so, of course, there are a few people who just magically end up winning the lottery. But is that, you know, is that success? I don't know. It depends how you define it, right? If it's just money, but <laughs> it's pure luck. But here's the thing, Nick. I don't know about you, but um, see, I didn't know that you started out in the fitness industry too. I feel like this has been one of the most beneficial things to my life, you know, having been in that industry because it has given me this discipline just through being surrounded by so many driven people to always persevere. Something that I started doing a long, long time ago is just forcing myself out of my comfort zone every day. And I call it a daily discipline. So yeah, every nice. single day without fail, the first thing that I do in the morning is something that I don't want to do. Look, I have three options, okay? Every day, three options. One is a one hour weights workout or a circuit where I'm literally going to be killing myself. The second is a seven kilometer run. And then the third is a 10 to 15 minute cold shower, right? <laughs> and funnily enough, out of those three things, the one that I hate the most is the cold shower. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, so I, I do a bit of that too. But I mean, you live in Dubai, right? I've got that right, haven't you? So, you know, that's probably yeah. quite nice. I live in the coldest, darkest part of the UK. And um, trust me, trust me, you know, and I've got a similar routine to you and I can go through that. It'd be quite cool to, to sort of, you know, compare notes. But yeah. I don't even last a minute or two under a cold shower. I'm like, ah! <laughs> So, so I did I did 30 days straight. I actually made a YouTube video about it. Um, but I did 30 days straight and I started to just love this euphoric feeling that you get. And it sounds so it sounds like such self-torture. But seriously, I mean, it is this after you've been in there for about four minutes, you're kind of a bit numb. And it is, it is literally like this euphoric feeling, I'm guessing, of serotonin, just getting yeah. absolutely unleashed all in your blood. And so one of the things that I do to kind of distract myself is I brush my teeth while I'm in there. <laughs> and so it, it kind of takes... It takes a lot of teeth brushing. No wonder you've got like nice white teeth. Um. <laughs> it, it takes away the... I do brush my teeth for a long time. That's actually a weird fact about me that I don't think I've ever told anyone except like people that know there me you now it's now everywhere across all this but, you know there's but, a there's a few performance habits there i mean i um i have a very very strict routine um similar to yours different things uh but the reason that i do that is um i think it was jocko willink who said discipline equals freedom and yeah. and i and i and i believe in that right so i my day is extremely predictable well it was predictable until clubhouse i was up at 5 a.m this morning doing my my 6k run you know i meditate every day i always do some reading before i do anything else and that was a bit of a challenge this morning because that takes about an hour to an hour and a half in the morning to do all that and of course i was trying not to go into bloody clubhouse so i had my phone off <laughs> but the point the point is and a lot of people don't get this and i'm trying to get a good sense of you from this is that you know those small disciplines those daily habits they compound 
and you know you don't see the results straight away but over time you see it and obviously your success you know has to be to some extent from those things here's the thing it's not even about it's not even about doing them it's about identifying the voice in your head in the moments that you are telling yourself that it's okay not to do them okay so if for example i wake up one day or even if I have this habit in the evening. I really like to snack. I, I love snacking only in the evening. And if I'm about to say, oh, go on, Lauren, just have another bowl of granola or another whatever it happens to be, another chocolate bar, you know, another bar, just even one other piece of chocolate. It's not the little piece of chocolate. You know, that's irrelevant to my health. It's the mental weakness of actually caving in because if you're going to give in in that moment, and you're allowing that moment of weakness into your life, then that means that if you need to get on a call with someone and have an uncomfortable conversation, or you're really tired and you're gonna have to fire someone, but you don't wanna do it, you know, you're going to push it off. And then you're gonna push it off and you're gonna push it off and push it off and push it off. And then next thing you know, it's far too late. And then you live in regret and you live in this mindset of just constant, feeling dissatisfied. And so for me, it's much more dangerous to live in this state of always feeling like I have more to give. I would rather force myself to say no to something that I really want in that moment so that in the long term, I can have the ultimate satisfaction, right? And so it was one of those things actually that my mom taught me was um, deferred gratification right? And so she, she did her thesis on it at university. So that's why she brought it up sometimes. And I never really understood what it meant until I was in the fitness industry doing some competitions. And um, so that's what kind of instilled that in me. And so I think that mental toughness and mental discipline is, is probably the most important thing that anyone can have that I've seen at least because even people who are successful, if they don't have the mental toughness and that self-discipline, then you can lose it all, right? Because you can go backwards because you don't have the ability to keep your, I don't know how to phrase it, but. No, no, you, let, me, let me explain, let me, because I'm, I'm, I'm an intent listener. And if you listen to any of my interviews, it's normally relatively, they always, people say I'm quite perceptive. You've just nailed it in, in a couple of minutes, what, what, what your success is. I think, right? There's obviously lots of parts to that and we can go into more detail. But that discipline and that mindset, um, delayed gratification, all of those things, um, wherever it's come from, some of it will come from your um, environment and probably your parents, but that's that's your um, secret. That's the thing I think, you know, if, if, if again, you tell me if I'm wrong, because I might be wrong, but if I look back at everything you've done, that's probably the thing that's been the thread all the way through your success, which has allowed you to achieve, to be frank, more than what most people do at 23. Most people at 23 are off, you know, thinking about gratification now, the party now, the drinks now, the travel now, the what I can buy now. But you've obviously, you know, you know, made different choices. Well, that's the thing. I think I, when I was like 15 years old, I, I, I was into all that stuff. And I know that seems like ridiculously young saying that now. But at that age, you know, you think you're so old and cool and whatever. But here's the thing. One of the things that I started doing when when I was about, it, it was the 16, 17 years old time period where I really sort of changed my outlook and my way of doing things. 
And I decided that I will sit and do my work until it's done. I will not leave until it is done. And so I have that same type of mindset now. It's like, I will just get it done. I don't do time blocking. For me personally, it doesn't work. Um, I have to finish something because for me, that is the most satisfying thing knowing that I've got it done. And if I can do something in that moment rather than doing it tomorrow, then I will do it then. So for example, I was supposed to be taking a call tomorrow. I moved it today and I just got a really big client just because I moved, you know, I would have got it tomorrow, but like I just moved it today. So now I have that time tomorrow to do the same thing. So it's like, I'm making my success and I'm getting this stuff done sooner and I'm just moving it all forward and well, that's another it. that's another thing I mean you know that's another part um, a trait of of people that I've had on here who are successful and I've had you know it's not always about the money right you know this is a business podcast so quite often we talk about that and we talk about you know net worth but if I think about the the deck of millionaires um the ones who are earning hundreds of millions and and even up to billions so I've had a couple of billionaires on here um they all have very similar traits Lauren you know, so I suppose the message to people watching and listening is a lot of this stuff isn't rocket science, right? Everyone's got the capability to do it. It's choices at the end of the day. But what you've articulated is a, is a certain set of very high performance choices. I think it's that they're so easy to do that it's underlooked. Yeah. And I just, always, like, I just always, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just always like to think, you know, if someone else was looking in on how I'm performing and the things that I'm doing, would would that be the type of person who is a successful person? You know, it's like, I don't remember the phrase, but it's something along the lines of, it's the things you do when no one else is looking that, that make all the difference. And I remember hearing that one time and it just hit me because I realized that I am kind of slacking in certain areas, like certain things that I do, I'm not proud of, like, you know, even as simple as leaving my dirty uh, food that I've, you know, my dirty plates and stuff, just leaving it there, you know, without cleaning it right then. And so I don't know why for me, that really just changed my, my outlook. So there we go. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes people have this perspective, which is, you know, and I've heard the saying, I forget where I heard it, which is, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. But I, I think to some extent that's a load of bullshit, right? Because, you know, I think I prefer to think of it in terms of seasons, right? So there are there are times when uh, I need to be about as full on as I can be, right? You know, everything is super precise. Everything is super focused. It's go, 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 go. But I find this could be me personally. If I did that all the time, you know, 24-7, I would just burn and crash. So there are seasons when I need to just chill right and relax and maybe not be so hard on myself and i find i call it optimal performance actually when i do any mentoring with people and it's the concept between if you run out of the gates really fast and you don't understand the length of the race you know you are gonna you are gonna run out of steam at some point whereas if you know what the what the race is and you prepare for it and then you prepare yourself for it then you are going to have the sustainability to be able to get to the outcome and a lot of people don't think of it necessarily in that way yeah, no, I really love that what you said about the the length of the race, because that's definitely been a downfall uh, for me in the past. That is for sure. But, you know, you know, one thing that I think I think I see, especially from talking to a lot of people on Clubhouse, is that what makes them successful is 
really that they have this laser sharp focus on sort of one thing, you know, mm-hmm. one core, one core thing. And the reason I bring that up is because I know when in the past, when I, a few years ago, I'd be listening to podcasts like this and you can get so many ideas you can. And, and, and look, I, I've been, I've really made a big mistake of this in the past. I would be getting into e-commerce and then drop shipping and then online coaching and e-books and selling so many different things. And you never really see any type of result in any one area. And I think through being strict on yourself and saying no to all the opportunities and, and doubling down on the thing that you're already seeing some success in, that is what I feel has allowed me to scale as quickly as I have so far and what I'm continually trying to do, right? Because I never thought that by the age I'm at now, I would have been able to achieve what I wanted to. I mean, I set my goal to be a millionaire by 26. And so you can achieve so much more in such a short period of time when you do have that focus. Mm -hmm. Because I think... It's, it can just be the most, yeah, the most dangerous, the, da- the most dangerous thing, losing that focus, like you said earlier. Well, it's and, and it comes from a fear of missing out mentality that if I if I don't do everything, then, you know, I'm not going to get to where I want to get to. But it's the opposite. I often say to make your first million, you need to do it through one thing. Right. Yeah. One focus thing. Now, there can be some tangents to that one thing, but you're not going to be spread betting, you know, multiple streams of income. Most of the people I know who are, you know, very, very high net worth have have done it in that way made their first bit of money in in one one area it could be real estate it could be business buying like i do um and then they diversify into other things once they've got you know i suppose in many cases not just the capital but they've also got the headspace because it takes a lot of work to get that Mm -hmm. first to get to the first milestone you know and you've got a lot of sacrifices but once you get there the choices open up that's interesting so so what do you feel then is and i i love this this topic what do you feel is the thing then beyond that first stage right when people get to like their first million from there to like let's say 10 million and then 10 million and beyond do you see there are different um types of mindsets required for that yeah yeah and i talk about it in terms of identity so and it's the same in business the different stages of businesses but if we talk about it from a personal wealth perspective um your the capacity to do more and be more changes through those different milestones so becoming a millionaire if you like in this day and age is not necessarily i'm not gonna say it's difficult because i know a lot of people are not there but it's more to do with the fact of the choices it gives you like you know that might get you a nice house you know nice car you might have a second home somewhere you might have your kids in private school you might have some decent investments uh, it doesn't invariably mean that you don't have to work again necessarily, right? You know, maybe years ago it did. When you're getting up into the tens of millions, then the choices are different again, right? When you're starting to go above that, and I and I often advise people who are going to become, as we say, I call it decamillionaires, so they're going to be, their net worth is going to be in the eight figures, right? So they're the ones who I'm normally working with because, their businesses are going to sell for that level and they've got decent shareholdings, right? Now, I often say to people, what's your number? What's your number, right? And actually, I'm going to ask you this. You can see if you want to be brave enough to say it, right? Because I'm normally pretty accurate, right? So if I said to you, if you wanted to sell your business one day or you wanted to have enough money to, to you know, it doesn't mean you wouldn't do what you're doing. What's, what's that number look like for you? 
Oh man, this is such a good question and something that I have been meaning to think about as I begin to build um, a SaaS company for online course creation. But for me, honestly, right now, I, I have not put enough thought behind that because I live a very, very, I wouldn't say simple life because I do like to travel and such, but I really, I just, I really don't spend that much money right? I, I, I really don't. I mean, my monthly expenses are very low. And again, is is it that I need to sort of normalize a new level? I don't know. I mean, I, I've never really been one of these people who's into extremely flashy things. I like nice watches and I like living somewhere nice. But to be honest, I've just been so focused for so long because that's what gives me fulfillment. Um, so what is my number? Wow. I just... I don't know because I I would love do I want to be a billion billionaire? I mean who I don't know. I, I want to definitely make <laughs> hundreds of millions. I, I want to make hundreds of millions because I why just do you want to do it? I mean so so if and it's interesting, I'll, I'll kind of give you a kind of I, I will kind of help with this in a second, but I want to play with it a bit. Yeah. Why why do you want to make hundreds of millions? So my brother, as I mentioned earlier, he's epileptic right and so for me there's a big driving force behind making a meaningful difference and I was talking to someone about this earlier actually whether I want to make an impact in the world of epilepsy or supporting families with disabled kids and so I'm in the process now of trying to figure out where am I going to be able to make the most meaningful impact but at the same time you know I also want to know with certainty that I can take care of my whole family right? So there are two sides to it. There's taking care of my family first, then making a meaningful impact in some type of something to do with uh, disability. So that is why I want to make a lot of money because I can't, I can't do that with no money, right? I just, it's not possible. And of course, I want to have a a few nice houses around the world as well. (laughs) Well, what you're talking about is income and impact, right? And, And this is the reason I was playing around with, you know, what's your number is there's a very big difference between income and wealth. So, so most of the time, so I'll get lots of people who come to me, particularly early stage businesses, and I tend to advise more later stage, but I still get the, the, the sort of the SaaS businesses coming in. And, you know, I always, I always laugh when one of the founders come along and say, oh, I've got a unicorn here, right? A unicorn being a, a business that, you know, sells for over a billion dollars. And, and I always say, why does it matter? Why does it matter? And quite often they can't answer the question. And, and where I go with this is the figure that most people say they, in terms of money, right, is, is usually somewhere between 10 and 20 million pounds, right? So, you know, because if you think about it, if you have that sort of money, let's say you have 20 million pounds, 20 million dollars, maybe a bit more than that, you know, you can probably do everything that you need to do in your life in terms of what, everything you just said, actually, from, from your, yourself. So family, you, houses, if you invest that money well, you're going to have more income than you need. Right. It's not a big number in the scheme of things when you see some of the, the numbers that are out there with the Bezoses and the Musks and all that. But to make an impact on the world, that's where you need your hundreds of millions. You know, not always, you know, some people can start foundations and they can do things, you know. And but if you really want to make a massive difference, it takes much more capital and much more wealth. And that's more altruistic than it is about you personally. And so. So it's an interesting question. It's not an easy answer, but that's why I wanted to just see where you're at. And you actually answered it by what I thought you'd say, which is it's it's a combination, but there's a big impact streak in you as well. 
I think for me, that's that's the more important thing because to be honest, my life has not changed really since I started generating a good amount of revenue. Now, I live, you know, I, I like to live in like a, a hotel apartment, right? Because it means that I don't have to think about doing any cleaning as I kind of alluded to earlier. I don't like doing that. But, you know, I like to be in a nice location so I can be around nice things. But really, other than that, I mean, nothing really much has changed. But I think for me, it's a case of I really find fulfillment in what I'm doing. I really find fulfillment in like just now, just before we got on this call, I was on a call with my COO and we were strategizing, right, about how we're going to be able to get five steps ahead of the implementation of what she's working on right now to make sure everything that we need to do is done. And so we were discussing all of that. And for me, it's like this puzzle. Um, I once had a mentor who said something to me because I said that I just, he, he was asking, why, why do you do this? He was kind of challenged me, challenging me, like you just did that, Nick. He's like, why do you do this? Why do you do this? And he kept asking me. And I was like, I don't know. It's just a game. Like it is literally a game to me. And then he said, no, Lauren, it is not a game. It's a puzzle because everyone gets to win. And I was like, wow, that's mm, so nice. That's a good insight. Uh-huh. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And then ever since then, everything to do with team building, to do with launching new programs, I see it like this puzzle trying to put everything in the right place. And for me, it's just enjoyable. I mean, I have, I'm into fitness and health, but other than that, my hobby really is business. I just, I just love it. <laughs> but yeah, I just, can, you relate to that? can you relate to that or am I just, yeah, like I, but if you love, if you love what you do and it's an old cliche about, you know, you don't work a day in your life. And that's, that's true. I think, you know, I had years of, I, I mean, my, what the story, part of my story is, uh, uh, you know, a number of years in the world of corporate big media companies um, before I started working in private equity. And and I didn't enjoy it, right? But I, I was there for a long time for lots of reasons, right? But once you find what you really love, which you know now I help people build empires from businesses, right? You know, buying businesses, selling, that I'm I get super excited because I see I see the the best part of an entrepreneur's journey, right? You know, from from the perspective where everything that they've worked for for years and years and years and sacrificed comes to fruition for them. Right. And it doesn't happen for everyone. So the fact that you can take a business to that level is amazingly powerful. So I get a lot out of that. And I build strong friendships along the way because it's such an emotional journey. You know, that last day, just like probably the best way to describe it is, you know, and I haven't climbed Everest, but I've done a bit of that sort of stuff. Right. You know, the last part of the climb is the hardest part. Yeah. Um, and that's and but once you get there, it's the most satisfying as well. So, but yeah, I totally get it. Um, before we move on to one last thing, um, we've had Richard been commenting a lot here. Just want to say thanks for your comments, Richard. Lots of stuff around cold showers, five minutes. If anyone's got any questions, who is listening live for Lauren uh, and you're not on Clubhouse because you're probably addicted to that, uh, post them away um, and we'll try and answer those. Um, cool. All right. So last thing I wanted to kind of just touch on today, Lauren, if that's cool, is um, you have... Um, a pretty prolific social media following yourself, 130-odd thousand um, followers on Instagram. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I do a bit on YouTube as well. I think we're around 40,000 on there too. And interestingly <laughs> enough, LinkedIn. Okay, yeah. I was, I, was, I, was, I was having a look at your LinkedIn profile before. That's where I think we initially connected. Yeah, you see you've got about 15,000 on there, I can see. But what, what's, I mean, again, we've kind of gone quite deep with some of your um, motivations, but now we're kind of going into something a little bit different. 
Well, that's cool. What's what's the secret behind that success? Has that been intentional? Have you said, I want to build a big social uh, media presence, a personal brand? Or has it been really about you just sharing a lot of your your thoughts and your stuff? Um, and, you know, that's got some groundswell from just, just being consistent. So how I started on this interesting entrepreneurial endeavor was I lost weight in an extremely unhealthy way when I was about 15 because I used to get bullied in school. People would call me Mackie D's because I was slightly larger than the other girls in my year. And so I, having lost all that weight, I started having panic attacks every day, right? Every day my mom would have to come and pick me up from school. And um, it was incredibly crippling for me. And I always knew that I wanted to do something in the world of helping with epilepsy, something, something along those lines. And I knew that if I'm having all these panic attacks, I'm never going to be able to, I'm never going to be able to have any success. Right. And so I then realized, okay, I need to gain weight in a healthy way. And so I start, I, I kind of found some stuff on Instagram back when Instagram was brand new. And I was really keen to just communicate with these other women who were into lifting weights and fueling their bodies. But I didn't want to comment because back then you used to be able to see what everyone else could comment on what everyone else was commenting on each other's posts. And so this just goes to show how insecure and how aware, you know, I mean, if I'm ever going to have a daughter, I'm just going to be so fearful, like all the, all the, the, the things that she's going to be worried about. You know, I was worried that my friends would see me commenting on these other people's posts. So I made a separate Instagram, which back then was called Fitness Life Lauren, and uh, started basically documenting my journey and just to connect with these other women. And so that was kind of how I started on Instagram. And I had a private account, but then people started asking me for coaching when I was 16 years old. And then it was a bit weird because I you know, a lot of these people were in their 40s. And so I was a lot younger than them, but they wanted me to help them because they saw my transformation. And so that was how I started. Now, purely sharing value and sharing what was working for me, that's what grew my following in the fitness industry. Then when I pivoted to what I do now, helping other people build online coaching businesses, course businesses, um, I kind of changed my content, but it's always been about finding what works for me, what strategies work, and then sharing that and not really holding anything back. And as you said earlier, Nick, on your podcast, people can get all the information that they need. But the reason why people will join a mentorship program or a coaching program or a course is because everything is packaged up A to B. It's all neat and tidy. They get the accountability and they get that support because a large part of getting to a next level in anything, whether it's your fitness journey, whether it's personal finance, whether it's buying a business, whether it's launching an online course, is you want that reassurance and you want someone to just tell you, hey, Nick, yeah, what you're doing is perfect, right? And so that's why um, I always say to people who are trying to grow on social media, don't hold anything back, share value, because a lot of what you'll see is people just making some graphic in Canva and then posting that graphic like, hey, book a strategy session with me. Yeah, I, 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 and I can't stand that. I mean, there's a piece there where it's kind of it's, it's better if it's just building, you know, your, your, your life, really, because I, I was out with my daughter on Saturday and we we're having a great walk. And so we just wanted to take a photo around that. And um, and then I sort of filmed her, and I'm not very good on Instagram. <laughs> I'm still trying to work out what the buttons are doing, right? Um, but then I took a video of that, and it got heaps of people kind of commenting on it, and just you know coming back and 
it's lovely. I think that's quite nice. The, the, on, on LinkedIn, funnily enough, my I had something like 30-odd thousand people um, like one of my posts last year, and it happened to be the wedding anniversary of me and my wife. And I just didn't think twice about it, really. I just put it on LinkedIn. And, of course, some people are like, oh, you can't post that on LinkedIn. I'm like, well, why not? And, and the whole message was really about just thanking her for the support, right? So it did have a context that while I'm off there building empires, it's not just me, right? There's other people who support that. But yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, it's nice. Well, I was just going to say there has to be a balance as well, right? Because if you're only posting your family, then people don't really have a reason to follow you. So I think when it comes down to everything that you're sharing on social media for anyone who's you know trying to build a personal brand, it really is thinking, what are the problems that my ideal client is facing, right? What are they thinking through? What would they see on their profile, on your profile as they're scrolling their feeds? And it's trying to trigger an aha moment in their mind. So getting them to put their phone down and like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Or, oh, wow, I'd never thought about that before. Because when you can trigger that aha moment in their mind, then they're always going to essentially relate anything around that topic to you. It's sort of like they have this dopamine release, like, wow, yeah. And they get this sort of rush of adrenaline. And then it's one of the most powerful ways to build that connection. Um, so social media is all about consistency. You know, you'll hear people talk about it all the time. But one of the things is just positioning yourself as an expert in whatever field it is that you are in. And then from there, I think if we're just quickly talking about client acquisitions on social media, then a lot of people expect clients just to naturally fall into their inbox, right? Or just to come to them. One of the best things that you can do is outbound marketing. So being proactive with it, actually reaching out to people. If someone comments on your post, send them a message and start the conversation. And then when you are inside of Messenger, then you can have an amazing conversation back and forth with them to qualify them to see if they are a good fit for working with you. And then from there, that's when you can get on a sales call, go send them over to your team. And then that's when you can sort of initiate the sales process, right? But to be honest, the sales process begins on in the actual posts that you're making. But look, that's me getting into um, no, social media. Into that. Well, and also, it's, it's, we could then go into the technical detail of how you scale that and teams and VAs and that sort of thing, which, which becomes... <laughs> okay, well, but one, thing real quick, one thing real quick, Nick, right. just because you mentioned VAs. I will say, don't have VAs doing this. Please, please have an actual sales team with real salespeople who are motivated and hungry to generate revenue. Because if you have VAs doing it, oh my gosh, it's going to be so mechanical. You're going to need some really specific SOP, which just never flows in conversation, right? VAs are amazing at executing on tasks, which are so step-by-step, -step, but human-to-human -human interaction, there's nothing worse than having a VA on there because people will just see again i'm saying this because i've made this mistake and uh it's one of those things that can damage your reputation and you don't want that no absolutely it's a, it's a really good point because i've seen that and it's it's same with automation tools that you see on on various platforms where you just know that the whole thing's on some sort of timer you know and then the name's wrong that's for sure but i totally yeah. agree I mean, it's going to be crazy when AI is smart enough to actually reply like a human. It's gonna be dangerous, but also bizarre. I mean, gosh. Well, you know, by then we'll have islands somewhere and um, that's all right. 
Yeah. All good. Well, listen, Lauren, I'm conscious, um, you know, you've got other stuff to do other than be on Clubhouse and the rest Clubhouse. of the day. I've got, I've got like seven meetings plus Clubhouse coming up. Um, I don't actually know. I've got one more podcast to do today as well. So lots of stuff. But um, listen, it's been cool. I can't believe it's probably been, I reckon, 24 hours since we met. It's like almost so a day. And here we are. We've taken action. We've been talking about business stuff. We've had you on the podcast. It's all good. Yeah. So where can people, people are interested in, you know, obviously, you know, building um, uh, courses, online programs and things like that, certainly information-based stuff, uh, or if they just want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that, Lauren? Yeah, so I have a podcast called Impact School. So if you just go into the podcast provider, just type in Impact School. And uh, we actually got hacked recently, which was crazy. 13th of September, 2020. It was traumatizing to say the least, but we are back and we are coming in with all of the content that you need for anything to do with scaling online service-based businesses. And uh, yeah, any social media platform of your choice, go on uh, just Lauren Tickner. That's my that's my name. And uh, you'll probably find me on Clubhouse. I, uh, I can't lie. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll find probably both of us on Clubhouse. If anyone's listening to this and they're on Clubhouse, uh, look us up. What's your, what's your handle there? Is it at Lauren Tickner? Just always Lauren Tickner. I keep it simple. Yeah, for that. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to get at Nick Bradley on Clubhouse, but normally it's at Nick Bradley 980 million. <laughs> it's a yeah. common name, you know, that's all right. Well, listen, Lauren, awesome. I'll uh, let you get on with your day. Thanks for coming on Scale Up Your Business. As I said, the live stream and also this will be a podcast uh, coming up soon. It's been great. I'm um, just understanding more about you as an entrepreneur, learning more about your journey. And yeah, just some really interesting stuff there that I wouldn't have seen actually by just, you know, even seeing you on social media. So some of the depth of what you do and why you do came out really brilliantly today. So I certainly value your time and I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And just really quick, one final thing about Clubhouse, I promise. That is actually one of the things that I love about it, right? Because you can so easily go onto someone's LinkedIn or their Instagram and you don't you don't understand much about them as a human. Whereas when you're talking, there is no better way to understand That's someone. Right. You actually you you identify very quickly who knows what they're talking about and who's been hiding behind uh, nicely formatted Instagram captions that may have been written by someone else. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, exactly. You can't hide behind fancy marketing when you're in a room like that. It's very exposed. Um, but that's the beauty. So cool. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much, Lauren. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again soon in Clubhouse. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.